You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and uh, the Irish have been famous for travelling the world for centuries and bringing all sorts of talents and um, abilities around the world. And that has included, be it from going back to St. Brendan when he was bringing um, religion and learning and you had the, when it was the island of saints and scholars, people went back out and brought uh, the teaching and education back to Europe. But music has also been an integral part of the Irish psyche and the Irish have been troubadours and I have a troubadour that I'm going to have a chat with now and the troubadour is originally from County Cork, has travelled the world, has lived in many places and currently has settled in Jamaica and I'm talking with Bobby O'Donovan and Bobby is is a good Cork man. Uh, Bobby, first of all, welcome and thanks a million for coming along. Well, I mean, I'm all good. Uh, it's nice to be here. Um, by the way, it's not County Cork, it's in Cork City. <laughs> oh, well, that is, that is in County Cork. <laughs> so we always say Cork City, you know. Okay. And what thanks part, of, thanks, part thanks of Cork? Thanks for having me, Austin. What thanks. part of Cork City? Well, um, a place, a very well-known place uh, in the form of a song, a place called the Mardike, um, out towards the Stirls Park. Right. My father, God rest his soul, was the head gardener in Fitzgerald's Park. And anybody from Cork City would know what I'm talking about. The house is there between the cricket pitch and Fitzgerald's Park. We've been Still in there. Fitzgerald's Park the last time I was in Cork, walked out there, and then walked across the road into the university. That's right, that's right, right across the street. And yep. Sunday's well, the shaky bridge, you yep. go up to Sunday's well there. Yep, yep, yep. We, beautiful park, lovely place. So I'm very lucky, yeah, we that was my back garden. Fantastic. So, uh, as, I'm, as I mentioned, um, you know, you've travelled the world as a troubadour, so we're going to go right back to down the Mardike in Cork, you mentioned it as a place and song, Fitzgerald Park. We're not going to tell them yet where you, how, how you got involved internationally, but when you started out, Bobby, where did music arrive in your, was in it in the family? family? We used to have an old joke at home saying, come from a long line of musicians. My father was born with drums in his ears. But on a, on a more serious note now, no, um, my father took me to um, Cork School of Music right. for a couple of years. And, um, you know, back in those days, like, you know, you were, you were considered a, a sort of a, a sissy if you walked down the street with a fiddle case, you know. The rest of the boys have a hurley. Right. You know, and I, and I went to the, anyway, to the Corsicone music, it was uh, Miss Foley, but there was music in our family, my father played the fiddle, and he played the jazz sharp, and um, he played a little bit of whistle too, my sister played a bit of whistle, and guitar, just a little bit, and piano, piano, also my mother, so it was kind of a musical family, because as you know, back in those days, like before, this was before we got television, you know, I was born in 1949, but you'd always have to um, entertain somebody who came into the house, you know, and um, we played instruments and stuff, and we had a cricket pitch next door, and they used to put me on top of the piano to, re- to recite poetry for the cricketers, you know. Right. Right. And of course they paid me. <laughs> no. I think it was six for six right. or something. So tell me, you mentioned there your father, the second instrument you said your father played. What was that? Yes. Well, he played mostly the fiddle. 
Yeah, and then you mentioned that's the that's other, that's you, what was the other instrument? The other instrument was a thing called a jaw sharp, or juice harp, uh, you know, it's, um, well, anybody know what a jaw sharp is, you put in the mouth and it's like a boing, and oing, and So it's kind of what we're associated with Australia in a way. Like, yeah, it makes the same sounds as it redo a little bit, yeah. 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 A little bit like that. I, am, I never could play the didgeridoo. I don't have the circular breathing, you know. Okay. Because, again, that's something you, you said. It's a juice harp. But that's an instrument that I guess is long gone or rarely produced now. Uh, I don't... I think that there are still people that still play the instruments, you know. Um, there's all different pitches and all different keys and stuff. But... Uh, I haven't heard it now, to tell you the truth, now in a while, you know. It used to be using country music, you know. Right. So then, Bobby, as you, having gone to the School of Music, obviously you had a love of music and you had a yin for it. At what point or where, what was it that attracted you to music as a, a, a way of life? Uh, well, as a way of life, um, I'll tell you what happened. Um, there was a band called the Sons of Aaron in Canada and my friend Johnny Lynn who's still in Toronto, um, was a member, and he came back to Cork, and he said, uh, look, he said, there's a position available for you to go over to Canada if you're interested and join the Sons of Aaron. So at the time, I just qualified, as, um, qualified is the operative word, but I uh, did my time as a carpenter, and, um, and I joined the Sons of Aaron. You know, I replaced a uh, fellow by the name of Dennis Ryan, and went on to form a band called uh, Ryan's Dancing. Right. In Halifax. Very, very successful, actually, in Canada. Indeed. And what year were we talking then when you came to Canada, Bobby? I came to Canada on March 11, 1970. Right. That was the same year my brother emigrated. Um, and, of yeah. course, back that time again, Ireland was... Um, I don't... There wasn't a lot going on in Ireland back in uh, 1970. Actually, there wasn't really, you know... So there was a show band scene, you know, Dickie Rock was on the go, and the Capital Show Band, and, and Maxie Lincoln Twain, there was a big show band scene going, but I always listened to that kind of music, even though my father was in Kyotoriel, you know, um, but uh, it's just the radio Luxembourg under the sheets, you know, and the flashlights, and Radio Caroline, and um, stuff like that. But there wasn't too much going in the traditional sense, you know. Uh, let me see, 1970, yeah, the Dubliners were coming, you know, there were starting like seven drunken nights, and the ballad scene was just started, sort of going then, yeah. Right. And who would have been your idol at that time, would you say? Oh, the big idol for, uh, for the Dubliners, to tell you the truth, now, Austin. Uh, for Barney McKenna, Gareth the Soul, was um, my big influence on the, on the tenor banjo, and uh, we also had a tenor banjo player in Cork, who used to play on the street, the Dunn Brothers. And I used to listen to him, uh, him playing the, uh, the tenor banjo. And instead of using the plectrum, he used the end of a bicycle pump. And he stuck it on the finger, you know. I'm but Barney McKenna was a big influence. And Sweeney's Men. Yeah. Um, the original Sweeney's Men. And, uh, but I was a big showband fan, too. I liked, I liked, you know, I liked all Butch Moore and Dickie Rock and Ingebert Humpert and all the, all the dancehall people, you know? I'm trying to get my me, mind around using the head, the bit of a bicycle pump and putting your finger through it as, as a plectrum. Um, and yeah, I'm he, should, he, shouldn't have pan, he should have panned it because it makes sense, you know, because plectrums follow your hand real quick, right? you know? 
and uh, you just put your finger. It's a bit like the bottleneck guitar, but it'd be on the right hand, you know. Right, right, right. So, so um, can you just point it, you know? So when you got to Canada, then you're into Toronto, and uh, you're with the Sons yes. of Aaron, and uh, I take it you're doing a bit of carpentry during the day. Well, um, I couldn't join my hands now, but uh, yes, uh, well, I came into the country as a carpenter. Yes, right. You know, they wanted to allow me in as a musician, so that's what's on my passport, carpenter. Right. And at that time, when you arrived into Toronto, what was the Irish scene like down there? Let me see. Um, back then, it was what was it? It was the Irish Rebels, Dermot Dunn. And um, I think it was the Irish Rebels, Sons of Aaron, in Toronto now we're talking about. Yeah. Of course, the Irish Rovers were, were big starting around then. They started, I think, they did a big hit in 1968, I think, with the Unicorn. Right. But um, we were playing in the pub scene, you know, and it was great fun. I was looking back, I had a great life so far, you know. It was, I was being blessed. I really have been blessed, you know. So, and how long did you stay with the Sons of Aaron then? On and off, kind of, you know. Um, just kind of went off with the Irish Rover for a few years and then came back again and stuff like that, you know. So, yeah. But, uh, so I suppose I would be the most consistent on, a, on, a, on an album, you know. Right. So you mentioned there you threw it in, you went off with the Irish Rovers, and the Irish Rovers, of course, are, uh, while they're an Irish group, they're very much a Canadian Irish group. What do you think, or how did you come to the attention of the Irish Rovers? Well, how I came to the attention of the Irish Rovers was um, Big Jimmy is gone now. Um, Jimmy was sick, and um, he was Will was trying to get in touch with me to replace to replace Jimmy. Right. And that's basically so they got in contact with me. I was in Montreal actually at the time, um, and Will got in touch with me. Right. So he asked me. He asked me to join, and, and uh, I, I, I don't know. Why, I ended up with the band for about three years or something like that. And in that period of the three years, of course, you got to tour with them, and you know the Irish Rovers at that time were a huge act. Had they got their own TV show at that stage? Well, they did. They were just coming out of the uh, half an hour show that used to be on CBC, and they did the super specials. Right. You know, so I got to meet like some. Um, lovely, lovely people through the music and so the Hoot Nanny special I got to meet Vera Lynn sweetheart and um, had a lovely conversation with her I'm actually talking about flowers in her garden and stuff we're sitting on the couch right yeah lovely person so when lovely you person. when you joined the Rovers at that stage then um, you were 100% or were you 100% professional musician well you mean by by but making a living out of it? Yeah, so far as if, like the Rovers would have been touring, so you would have had to kind of devote whatever time uh, that that was. Was that your full time job, effectively, when you were with the Rovers? Yes. Yeah, it was. And that yeah, brought, brought you around the world. Yes, we yeah, did more traveling with the Irish Rovers. Yeah, the Sons of Aaron, basically, we did um, we did uh, Canada and uh, and the States. You know, right. But it was great. It was great fun. I mean, it was a... You can imagine, I was only a young lad. Jeez, about, about 23 or something like that. And, um, you know, I was I was gob, gobstruck. Struck. <laughs> and it must have been fascinating to be on stage 
uh, where you know when you start up the unicorn particularly because at that stage the unicorn was synonymous with the rovers and would have been known globally yeah it was it was it was, it was a great feeling you know because we were in the concert scene mostly stadiums and stuff places like that you know right and it was great I enjoyed every second of it but I couldn't keep up with the drinking so they got rid of me you know <laughs> So, in that period, what stands out in your memory as a pinch-me moment? If you were, to, if there was a pinch-me moment with the Rovers, when would it be, would you say? I would have to say, um, I would have to say we opened for Bob Hope um, in the Syracuse, New York State Fair, over the opening act, and just meeting him in the dressing room, you know, I have a photograph there that says one with hope, one with no hope. Right, right, right. That would be it. And then, of course, you know, meeting uh, Tom Paxton and Glenn Arbor and Josh White Jr. and all those people, you know. And then, Bobby, where that might be the pinch me moment, where would you say was the most impressive venue that you would have played? Um, I'll be the CNE grounds, I suppose, in, in, in Toronto. Right. Outdoors, yeah. And what, you know. kind of, what kind of a crowd had you for that? About 18,000, something like that. Right, right, right. So, when you were on the road... I, could, I could be wrong with the figures. Ah, yeah, I no, no. But yeah. when you were on the road at that stage, then for the years with the Rovers, how many days a year were you out there on the, on the road? How busy were you? Well, the band was busy, but, uh, the, you know, I was at home. I was, I was on standby. Okay, you know? okay. And... Um, Gave me time to do to to um, to do my own thing, you know. Right. But it was a great experience, you know. I mean, as I say, it was it was great, you know. The Rovers are still going, as you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I noticed they're back on tour again, I think. And uh, mm. yeah. Um, so then, what would have been the? Um, I guess. I, well, did you get to perform on any of the recordings with them then? Actually, we did. I did one, but I don't think they ever pressed it. Right. Uh, no, I don't think they ever did. No. Right. Yeah, just one. There's photographs out there still floating around. Yeah. Right. And then where? Well, you mentioned Toronto as being being uh, uh, memorable. How far flung did you manage to travel? Where in the world did you get to? Well, uh, I would say probably the long, longest trip I did was. Um, was Australia and uh, New Zealand. That would be it. Right. The South Island of New Zealand. New Zealand is so much, so much like Ireland. Right. So much like Ireland in an awful lot of ways. Right. You know. Oh, by the way, sorry, New Zealand. Uh, the Irish rugby team kind of did a bit of cleaning <laughs> there the last one. Sorry about that. That's right. But, <laughs> um, um, so it must have been again interesting when you go to the other side of the world, down that far out to New Zealand, Australia, you get up stage and you start performing and the audience recognises what you're playing. Well, they do, yeah. I mean, the music was always in Australia and New Zealand from the immigrants, of course. Yeah. But, uh, but the band was well known and respected in New Zealand and Australia, you know. Right, right. Through the, through the unicorn. Right. Thank to Mr. Thanks to Mr. Silverstein. Yes, Mr. Silverstein, who, who I met by the way. An interesting note: we were down in uh, Key West, Vince Griffin and myself, 
down a gig and <laughs> we did a kind of a rock version of the unicorn like a long time ago when the year was green more kinds of animals you've ever seen right. roam around here to the year. and this fellow was cracking up at the end of the bar and I went down on the break and I said excuse me I said so did you enjoy that and he said he said I wrote that song <laughs> I wrote that and that was the first time I met Shel Silverstein. Right. Was, my heart was pounding. He invited us into his house the next day, which was a great honour. You know. Indeed. Um, yeah. Indeed. We're going to take a short break and play a piece of music. What would okay. you, men- you mentioned uh, the Mardike. Um, the Banks of your lovely lady. So well, what we should, them played? We should play the Banks. And uh, we'll come back and we'll chat further after this. And you are listening to Irish Radio Canada at home abroad and we're chatting with Bobby O'Donovan, who's from the banks of my own lovely Lee. Thank you, thank you. That's great, Austin. Welcome back to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and we're chatting with Bobby O'Donovan. Bobby is Cork City and uh, spent some time in Toronto and he was with the Sons of Aaron and a number of years uh, subbing. I guess would be the term in football terminology with the Irish Rovers and uh, Bobby how long did you spend in Canada? Oh God on and off uh, let me see has to be over 40 years I guess right and that would have been uh, well did you move around Canada was it Toronto the whole time? I was all over the place. Right. So, coast to coast, you were down, you spent time in Newfoundland? A lot of time in Newfoundland, yeah. Back in those days, there was Harry Hibbs was on the go, and Karen Showbank came down there. Right. Um, yeah, 1968 was the first time that the Sons of Aaron went to Newfoundland. We had a big hit there with, with uh, the Butcher Boy. I wish I was, that one. Yeah, right. Uh, was it Dominic Payne? Dominic Payne wrote on his brother Brennan. It might have been Dominic. Yeah, okay. In Moore Street, where I did well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, my, first, my first gig was in Wabash, Labrador, in the Sir Winfrey Grenville Hotel. And I'll never forget it, Austin. It was snowing, there was snow up top of the roof. Oh, God. I thought I was got to Siberia. <laughs> Because the people in Siberia probably thought they were in Labrador. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like I was bamming off in the back garden at home, and all of a sudden, <laughs> about twenty feet of snow. So, Jeez. when you when you were down Newfoundland, and I know you were in around St John's and that area there, isn't there a tremendous yes. um, similarity? Oh God, yes, always was. And, what was it called? Uh, Land of the Fish, Tullacanaise. Tullacanaise. Yeah. There was always a great, great, uh, great love of, of Ireland, of course. If you could, you know, the history between Newfoundland and Ireland, my God. Uh, and a lot of the Waterford were on there. Like, that's you know, right. How long, how long did you spend? Then, how long did you spend Newfoundland? Well, again, on and off, you know. I was down the States for a while. I'm a bit of a gypsy, a bit of a nomad, you know. Right. But um, back and forth and stuff. Um, last gig I had out there was out in Petty Harbour. Alan Dyer's um, hometown. Right, right. So, you know, we're talking about music and the tech and the everywhere. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and that, comedy, by the way. People think I'm funny. I don't think I'm one bit funny, to tell you the truth. No, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not an easy life. 
you know, there's a perception <laughs> that it's um, it might be glamorous, it, it might appear to be glamorous, but oh, that's a, but that's a you know, living out of a suitcase and um, <clears throat> after the gig is over, either climbing it to the back of a bus to go to sleep to drive on to the next gig, and then you're yes. there, time yes. for the sound check, on stage, yes. off stage, into the back of the bus. It's yes. a gr- it can be a grueling life. Well, it is. It was, and, uh, and, and to a point, you know. But um, it depends on how, how big a star you are, you know. If you're, if you're a star from the day you're born, then you know the people are blowing their nose for you. You know what I mean? I mean, but um, when you're making your way up through it, yes, uh, I've, I've done done all that crawling to the back of the van. The boys used to back up to the in in a motel, you know, and I'd come out. When I hang over the length of Trans Canada, I throw a pill into the back of the car and just go to sleep like like you would loading the cattle on on, on <laughs> take the pill. <laughs> and then you'll be in time. I wake up and look, I look out the window. Holy, where are we? We're okay. We're Timmins or whatever, you know. But no, it's not glamorous at all. If you go up on stage and people say, "Oh, these are big stars," you know. But hey, we had fun. I had fun. I don't have any regrets. Right. You know. Right. It was fun. We we know just a young. It's a young man's game, really. You know. Yeah, and, and the other thing is there's often a perception that if you're in a band something like the Rovers or if you've got a name in any way, that yeah. money and prestige and fame and everything is just rolling in the door. Well, that's, that's a misconception. That says, you know, that's up to the individual. I mean, you know, you know how craft, there's a lot of people that are crafty with that department, you know? Right, right. There's a lot of fellas I know, and they still have their first only communion money. You know, they're just tight. Yeah, but again, you know. what I'm talking about in some ways is there's a perception that maybe. Oh yes, yes. That, that oh yes. The, the amount yeah. that you're being paid are is yes. huge sums of money. Not not me, no, because I was always a sideman. Yeah. And in many cases, as you described, the sideman is on. I won't quite say minimum wage, but may, may not be an awful lot above it. No, well, exactly. That's being realistic now, you know. Right, right. But uh, you don't question that. I didn't question that, you know, at the time because I was, I was just in awe, you know. I'm, I, I've never been in the business asking for the money, to tell you the truth. It's the wrong business to be in if you're only going for the money. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I should have stayed with the, with, the, with the psychiatry, you know. I was doing good at that. At psychiatry? <laughs> I think anybody that goes to a psychiatrist should have their head examined. That's, That's what I right. think. Because, you know, when you say it there, there's, what's gone through my head is the words of a Ronnie Drew song. You know the one that says, there's life in the old dog yet. Oh, I do, yes, and indeed. He talks yes. About He's the, one of my heroes, yeah. Yeah, he talks about how it does it for the love of the song. And it's so true, you know, that is so true. See, you know, if you, have, if, you have, if you have the love of the music and respect, then, you know, you can't go wrong. I mean, it, here I am sitting in... And uh, St. Mary's in, in OT, OT, you know, I'm 73 years of age now, you know, and um, I do have a window to throw it out, but I'm not going to finish that phrase, you know. <laughs> you know, right? And yeah. I'm quite happy. Yeah. I got up this morning, put me, me line, you know, clothes on the line, and the sun is shining. I got a few friends. I got a lovely wife for the last 30-something odd years, you know, 38 years. Right. From Jamaica. Yeah. So I'm a lucky man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know I asked you this before, and we weren't recording at the time, but do you miss Ireland? I do, straight off the bat. Yes, I do. Uh, I haven't been home since 2013, 
and my sister's back in Cork. Um, she has a, a, a stage four of dementia. She's in Cork City, and um, you know uh, I want to get home before um, before when she still knows who I am. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I do I do miss her. And what I miss most of all is 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 the well is is when you know we land off the plane and and one year I went home and, and the fella in, in the terminal said welcome home by you know she's I burst into tears to the frog welcome home the way he said it you know yeah. welcome home by yeah yeah just beautiful you know beautiful again goosebumps here even thinking about it but yes I'm very very homesick so if anybody wants to donate to send the Bobby home right and but and and what what that feeling is is something that you can't be described in many ways because it's something that's deep down in each person. And I know that Cork City has a, a, a personality, I guess it would be one way to say it, that people from Cork, that personality is so precious to them. People, yeah, some people say Cork people, Cork people are kind of um, saucy, I suppose, the Irish term, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, I was born, bred, and buffeted at home. And just, uh, maybe it's something got to do with the accent, because we were singing, like, you know. Right. And I, I was talking to my sister, like, on the phone, and, you know, sometimes have we have a bit of fun, you know. And I love doing accents, right? And she says, my God, oh my, nobody talks like that anymore. My sister is very sort of Montanotti, you know. <laughs> Carrie Gnine, excuse me. We're, we're coming around the point, fire around the barbie, we'll have a gin and tonton now when we get home. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys used to buy the marbles to put in your mouth when you were talking, wasn't that it? <laughs> no, no, that's Kelly. The Kelly would dare, the Kelly would all the, 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 the buy potatoes down there. By the way, congratulations to Kerry too, eh? Yes, indeed. They won the They did indeed. They did indeed. <laughs> but, you know, so Bobby, in, in the term you talk about um, living across Canada, um, yeah. you know, I've managed, uh, very fortunately, to be living in the house I'm living now for over 30 years, and it's the most settled I've ever been, because actually, in Ireland we used to move around because my father was in the bank. Um, And I know what it's like. It's very hard to kind of put down roots. It's very hard to put down um, relationships and to feel, get that sense of belonging. How do you feel at this stage in your life having, in a way, been a troubadour? I feel that, I'll tell you now the truth, my my whole life is in two suitcases in the closet, Austin. Right. Because we had to move some, I got all the photographs. But um, I'm a bit lost at the moment, and I'm saying to the man upstairs, is this where you want me to finish? You know, is this the closing act or the last tune? You know, it's like the parting glass. You know, the song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I'm very confused at the moment um, in that sense. I don't know why I'm here in Jamaica, basically. There's, you know, the, I'm trying to get the, the Irish music into the reggae. I think they would marry well together, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, with and, the beat and stuff. And I know there's a tremendous affinity also between Jamaica and Ireland, and that the Irish, now yes. they're, they're outside Ochilthrias, there's an Irish town is there, and of course, I yes. know you and I talked about as well that uh, Marley is a good Irish name, so there you had Bob Marley, and I know he acknowledged, I think, at some yes. point that there was Irish blood in his heritage. Yes, yeah, that's right. And I, yeah. I, I was I, up at his house actually the other day, there's a place called Nine Mile. 
you know, it was a tourist attraction, of course. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my house in the Maverick, by the way, is still there. There's no charge. You could just stand on the street, have a look at it, have a go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the house of Bobby O'Donovan. Who? Who are you talking about? Hey, uh, that, that, that crazy fella. <laughs> <laughs> there's no plaque on the wall, is there? There's not. No, no, there's not. No. But the house is still there, I believe. I was looking at a photograph of the other day. Yeah. Well, that, interesting you should say that because the house, the house that I grew up in, um, in Bandlestow, County Galway, currently has just come on the market. Oh, <laughs> and the auctioneer has described it as oozing potential. Oozing potential. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oozing potential. I love that. That's that's only only somebody from home come up with that. Oozing. <laughs> and the, the house has been unoccupied for a number of years, so it's all boarded up and is oozing potential. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, There's I somebody living in our house, I, I believe. I think, I think they turned into a, I don't know, a bird, bird sanctuary or something. Bloody, I don't know. It's still there, <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> so, Bobby, we're going to take another little break and we'll have a piece of music. Right. What are we going to play? Well, did you play the banks? We played the banks. How about, um, um, let me see. We're playing a piece now. We're going to play a piece now that you're performing on. So should we go for? Um, oh, okay. Uh, my New York was Irish, maybe. No. My, my, how about my grandfather's immigrant days? Is that you have that? We, I will, if we have, we'll make sure we do. My grandfather's immigrant, which, by the way, was recorded by Willie Nelson. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and he did a great uh, video as well. Beautiful job. And I think anyway. And that's one of, uh, I know it's one of my wife Mary's party pieces. It always uh, brings a tear to her eye because uh, she um, she relates very deeply to that. And uh, she had an uncle down in Springfield, Massachusetts, who lived into, he was, up, I think, 104 when he died. And mm. uh, he left County Clare when he was 18 or 19. Um, my God. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll be back with you after this piece of music. You are listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad. Welcome back to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad. We're chatting with Bobby O'Donovan. Bobby uh, spent his career as a troubadour, originally from Cork, uh, touring the world, uh, spent some time with the Irish Rovers, and uh, is now, I'll have to just say, semi-retired because he has been in the studio recently as well, doing some uh, work with somebody, and he is now living in Jamaica. So, Bobby, you were in the studio recently. What was all that about? Basically, it's a reggae tune. Uh, first time actually recording on a, on a reggae album. Okay. And what, when you say reggae... Filled by the name of Richard Sinclair. Okay. He's a singer-songwriter singer from here in, in Jamaica. And he, he um, invited you to come along and be part of the session? Yeah, what happened was uh, I was playing, actually, I was hired for a funeral, for an Italian funeral, and um, uh, I was playing the mandolin, and he came up to me after the funeral, and he said, hey, well, you know, dude, I love the way you're playing and stuff, and um, because I play a little bit of Sicilian music on the mandolin, you know, and uh, he said, yeah, so are you available to do a session? That's how I got the job, basically. Right. Right. So, I also know you're teaching some Irish music down there. I'm teaching a young lad, yeah, Manu. He's, um, 
it's very interesting uh, actually how I'm, how it happened is uh, quickly here I was going up the hill here behind the house and uh, it's like something you see in a movie and I heard this classical piece of music coming over the wind you know and somebody playing the fiddle and as close I got the loader got of course so there was a young lad practicing inside the house and I said excuse me you know and uh, he was a bit nervous took a sit out he said yeah yeah See, I said your mammy home and stuff we were talking and uh, she came out to the door and I said I'm a fiddle player I live down at the bottom of the hill and she said, I gave her my name, my address, so she wouldn't be nervous and stuff. So, you know, that's, and I'm teaching them now. And that's the only one, um, only student I have. I'm not charging them anything, just spreading the culture, you know. And how is he adapting to traditional he's music? Loving the, he's loving the, uh, he's loving it. Uh, I told him, that, you know, the standards, you know, the Irish washerwoman and stuff. And, you know, I got him tuned into uh, <coughs> some Kerry Porkers and stuff. You know, and um, he's also taking lessons in classical over and Zooming, I guess, from California. Right. So he can read as well, you know, which is a big help. You know, if he gets stuck for a part, he can always go to the book, you know, the only use book there. Right. right. You know. So the Irish music, as you know, is uh, basically passed on, you know, in the kitchen and stuff. And yeah. So, so, reading. so, Bobby, are you playing much now, um, just around about, and... What kind of no. reaction? You're, do you get to no, in front of anyone out down there? No, not at all. And the same was in Toronto with John Covid. We were we were under lockdown, you know. Right. So but you uh, were in. You no, were, not. So we didn't Sorry? cover that actually. So you spent Covid in Toronto. I did. Yeah, I was under lockdown. It should have been lockdown years ago, but that's beside the point. But I no, thought, it's, uh, I thought it was locked up rather than lockdown. <laughs> locked up. Yeah. <laughs> You're crazy, man, you're not. So anyway, so you were here in Canada for COVID? Up in Toronto, my wife and I were in, 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 in uh, Toronto, yes, during the whole thing. Right. Yes. And how, how did you find that, given that you were now in a nice warm climate, but did you, if you were up here during COVID, you are probably here during the winter as well? Two winters, yep. Yeah. Two winters, but, you know, uh, somebody once said, there's no such thing as the wrong weather, it's just the wrong clothes. Right. Right. So it kind of got nice and warm, you know. Right. And so now back in Toronto, now I wish I had some of them here, but they'd be too too hot now. I know. I know. I know. Um, so how are you adapting to living in, in the Caribbean? Uh, well, we lived in Florida for a while, you know, as regards to the sunshine. Right. But it's a whole different culture. It's, it's completely different. Everything is different. The trees are different. The the only thing is the same as everywhere else is the sunshine, and that's even different in the sense that it's here all the time. You know, I'm looking out the window here now. Um, what I can't get used to really is there's bars on the windows, you know, right? You mean... You uh, <laughs> I don't mean where you can get a drink. No, I, I thought you meant like I, I, I don't want to be... <laughs> in case you're, you're not in prison, are you? Well, no, I'm not. No, no, no. It's kind of a like, like sort no. of a splendid isolation. I know. You know, well, we're in the gated community, Austin, and uh, they have to put the, those bars on the uh, on the windows and on the doors and stuff. Right. You know, right. It's, it's, right. A bit, it's a bit hard to get used to, but that's that's the way it is down here. You know. Right. Right. So, no disrespect, now. I know. That's the cult. That's the way it is. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's different things. Like I know, and and again, not being disrespectful, but I know there's uh, there's parts of every country where you literally yeah. put bars on the window to protect yourself. 
Well, I heard Ernest changing a lot too, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's from the from that you know from that point of view, you know. Yeah. The whole world has gone crazy, you know, mad. Now, um, I should say as well, you and I met each other, and we had the opportunity to spend a bit of time together. Uh, you were performing on a cruise, um, and um, that was a number of years back, and that was a lot of oh, fun. Yes. Wasn't it though? Yeah, I was. I used to meet you every morning. We'd have a coffee. You know, that's all they're doing: sleep and eat. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he was on that tour too as well. He he had a he was um he was a star of the show, sort of. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. So, how do you? What are your hopes for the future now, Bobby? My hopes for the future. Uh, well, I'm sort of starting a career all over again down here, but. Uh, you know, just just um, sort of um, stayed away nicely, you know, right? Okay. I mean, who knows? We don't know. I mean, um, God, we don't know from one day to the next. I'm, I'm pray, praying and playing in a church here locally. Uh, with piano player every Sunday now. And um, it's very challenging musically because all the different keys and hems and stuff, you know. Right. So I'm doing that, and, um, and my hope is to get back home. You know, so, uh, so he always says, "Send me back home before I die." The old country song, "Send me back home." You know? Right. Right. No, but seriously, I, I want to get home. You know, I, I really do. I know. You know, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Right. Right. Um, when you mentioned there that the keys are challenging, that you know we're used to a very rigid, staid, pedantic type music in church in Ireland and probably up here as well I imagine it's yeah. not like that no it's more of a fun it's more loose kind of a thing you know the, the feeling is happy right you know um, you know tambourines going and you know there's, there's, there's only 20% I believe Catholics in, in this part of the world you know right I believe right and um, the priest there's uh, a new priest from Brazil which is great music as well you know, um, but uh, yeah, it's not as rigid. No, that's the right word. You know, the sort of. A, I was as nervous as a bag of kittens first time I played in the church, which was in Florida, by the way. Right. You know, and because from an entertaining point of view, there's um, there's no applause or anything like that. You know what I mean? There's nothing you don't when it, when you finish a song or, or a piece of music. Yeah. You know, it's dead. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's. I was very nervous. You know. And I still am. I'm nervous anyway. <laughs> my own music. <laughs> my nerves are shattered. Uh, As they say in Newfoundland, my nerves are rubbed raw, no? Right. <laughs> so aside from Ireland then, Bobby, of all the places you've been and all the places you've lived, where would you put as being the place that you enjoyed, liked, were happiest? Newfoundland, without a hesitation. Right. Without hesitation. It's very close to my heart, very close to my heart, and I was well respected there, you know. Yes. People have a lot of respect for me, and I think they still do, you know. Right, right. We're going to wrap up, and uh, right. it's been great chatting with you, and I'm thinking, based on what Thank you, you just said, uh, there's a piece of music out there, I don't know if you ever played it, or, but it's kind of what, uh, well, there's two, actually, there's one I'm going to suggest. I've played it before, it, there's, it's been recorded by Kevin Collins. And okay. it was written by Lyola Hearn, 
who was the right. Minister for Fisheries for a while here in the Canadian government, and he was then appointed as the Canadian ambassador to Ireland. Okay. And he wrote a piece called From an Island to an Island. Sounds good. I've never heard of that before. And it Thank you so much, Austin, for this. I appreciate it. And I, can I just add, I want to say hello to my friends in, the, in Newfoundland, please. Indeed. Indeed. But this you know, piece chronicles the relationship of the Irish connection to Newfoundland. And it's a, it's a beautiful piece of music. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bobby, it's been great connecting with you. And hopefully that you get back to the banks of your own lovely leaf fairly soon and get down to Fitzgerald Park. And You're making me cry now. Stop it. <laughs> and that, that when you get past to go visit your house, that it's not oozing with potential. <laughs> <laughs> I take the I take the potential off the windows. <laughs> there you go. You've you're less, you've been listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad. We've been chatting with Bobby O'Donovan. We're going to finish up here now with uh, Kevin Collins and his version of Lyola Hearn's song "From an Island to an Island." <laughs> 